Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, Janine, we're back, <laughs> it's episode 229, and Ooh. you've chosen a noir movie, I'm so proud of you. Oh, well thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm so very proud of you, this is usually my style of thing that I've been watching all year seemingly <laughs> well you know um, we have this kind of we always get into these grooves with specific actors on this show we do so, yes um, we do. robert mitchum is one of our kind of rotating regulars <laughs> in the is world of though? it's a wonderful podcast I mean, could, could you name me the last robert mitchum movie we covered um that holiday affair movie did we do which that? was at christmas yeah but i it's mean now september but i mean he pops up quite. He's we've done what like four Robert Mitchum films. I would happily say that Robert Mitchum is an It's a Wonderful podcast favorite, but he does not show up as much as he should, and as much as we would want him to, and as much as we may think he has. Yes, I feel like we've done quite a few, but maybe it's just been like what three movies. I don't know exactly how many. Cape I forget. Fear, them. Night of the Hunter, and that Holiday Affair. Right? Probably. I can't see us and having now this. another one. I just, like, I, just, I don't know why I feel like we've just covered him quite a bit. Because know. we love he's, him dearly. He's just a standout, yeah. He is a standout. He's, he's such a unique actor. He's yes. got such a unique on-screen style that I think he's absolutely on showing this movie. Yes. Um, I mean, it's kind of his earliest, biggest movie. It's not his, like, first starring role or, or even, you know, one of his first starring roles or anything like that. But it, it, it is his first big, big, successful, revered movie. Um, this is Out of the Past, 1947. That is what we are talking about today on this episode. Some would call it a quintessential noir, Janine. And, and I would agree with those people because I think it's very, very typical. I think it's very, very every element that you want yes, in this so. kind of noir movie you have in this one. If it wasn't so really brilliantly put together and really well performed and, and so like gorgeous to look at i think all the understandable um or well, that becomes understandable once you realize who's behind the movie but i think if it wasn't for all that it would come across like a pretty stereotypical like oh i know exactly what's going to happen in this noir movie it would come across as quite b movie yes no it does definitely have some good twists in there and some surprises and some tense moments um <clears throat> also really good to see kind of a combination of the different versions of robert mitchum that we've covered on this show we've seen him kind of be this but it's true this yeah. kind of menacing serious tough guy we've seen him be the sensitive man so now this role is kind of a combination of both of those things it and is. also a lot of very a very good competency porn as we kind of have talked about on the channel before just you know the excitement in watching a movie and seeing your protagonist or your lead just be very competent or good at their job and being very aware of things so except you know, from he, when he's not aware of things and this is the thing but even the, when he's not he's able to kind of adapt and rebound and and kind of, you know, figure things out. Kind of, I think, at the end, the kind of end act of this film, he's definitely kind of steps ahead of people and, and really kind of on his game by the end of it. Um, it's good to kind of see that he has learned his lesson from earlier mistakes kind of by the end of the movie. So, Yeah, because, look, this, like I said, this is a, a quintessential noir movie. We see Robert Mitchum get... Little bit played around, a little bit yeah, manipulated. A little bit, little bit. Um, I think our our femme fatale, our leading lady in this movie, though Jane Greer, is is absolutely wonderful. Oh yeah, she's all I've, over the place. 
she is stellar in this movie. She is 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 one of my favourite femme fatales, I think, in movies because they can come across, you know, those those type of characters can come across as very, very stereotypical. I mean, they are incredibly stereotypical in this genre. And very predictable as well. And very, yes, and very predictable. Um, and she has a little bit more to her than, you know, our, than what entirely you may expect. Yes. Also, can I just say, she was giving me major Rose McGowan vibes. She just definitely, was, I just was looking at her and she's like, who is she reminding me of? She, she looks a little bit. She's totally reminding me of Rose McGowan. Yeah. She, she looks a little bit like Rose McGowan, I suppose. Yeah. But as a as a leading couple in this movie they are just on absolutely kind of top level yeah um or, or you know for the two of them um and Mitchum's look it's a, it's kind of a clash of acting styles at times as well which i always like when you get clashes of acting styles because Mitchum nobody acts like Robert Mitchum no. He seems so lazy and lethargic on screen, but that is where his his kind it works of power him. comes yeah. from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is where his intensity comes from, and his real confidence comes from. I don't think I saw Robert Mitchum in this movie without a cigarette in his mouth either. I think, I, as far as a, a lead character smoking goes. He's constantly smoking, right? Is he not yeah. constantly yes, smoking? Yes, constantly. There's movie? a point where he's even like sharing a cigarette with the cab driver. <laughs> There's one scene where our antagonist, who we will get onto, offers Robert Mitchum a cigarette, and he has to say, "Oh no, sorry, oh, I'm already smoking." <laughs> yeah, he's smoking that often in this. I think it's a thing. About and he puts one that. in. There's another part where he puts one in his mouth before he can even have. He doesn't even have a free hand to light it because he's like he's with, he's with his lady and like they're walking back to the car and he's holding all like the gear and supplies and he puts a cigarette in his mouth before he picks everything up and then he's just walking with an unlit and she has to like light it for him. <laughs> so he's already like getting ready before he can even have a free yeah. hand to light it. But I think I think this is what we like about Robert Mitchum. His his uniqueness in that he's yeah, able to, I mean... <laughs> to convey such intensity by yeah. seemingly just kind of plodding around and looking and, half yes. asleep. And like he can channel it in different ways. He can channel it into this kind of tender romantic thing. Uh, but then he can also switch it to this very tough intensity. Like, you know, a, there's a scene where a guy is like coming at him and he's like, dude, I don't have time for this. Like, you're just going to tire yourself out. So just stop trying because, you know, I'll show you what's what if you keep trying to play with me. And like, you know, and you feel that you feel like this, this power from him, like this intensity and, and this kind of menace from him, even though he's just very kind of chill about how he delivers yeah. that dialogue. Um, and look, the intimidation of him comes out in, in some scenes as well. We've obviously seen this yeah, brilliantly in, you know, Night of the Hunter and Cape Fear, particularly yes. his intimidation yes. that he has. But that's coming across in, in a few scenes as well when he's really feeling like he's on top of of this incredibly convoluted situation he finds himself in, because would it be a noir movie of this style, Janine, if it wasn't an incredibly convoluted, weird situation well, of who I mean, killed who, you... <laughs> and yeah. how do we set up who killed who? Who do we trust? Who do we trust? Who do we manipulate? How do we get out of this life? And it's not going to be as easy as you think it is. Um, so, yeah. There's like two new... styles, isn't there? There's, there's, there's two major styles, I feel, of you know of, of noir movies it's the the simple movie where you have one situation and people have to deal with one situation in one kind of location right and, yes. and you have the the boiling pot of intensity think of like a, a key largo or something like that that's a really simple movie 
a brilliant movie, a really simple movie. You know exactly what's going on all the time. Yes, there's twists. Yes, there's reveals. But you're all in one place and you get kind of a, a clear boy, the boiling pot noir. Let's call it. Let's call it the boiling pot noir. And I'm going to call this one the what on earth's going on noir. <laughs> where out of the past fits in. The big sleep fits in. You know, to, to this kind of, I'm really not sure who's who, what's what, or where's yes. where, but I'm enjoying it. Yes, I feel so. just as confused as I think the characters do. And I think that's done for that exact reason. Because we feel like, wait, What's going on? I'm a little bit like unsure of things. And I feel like And I think that's where they want many, you. Yeah. Too many of these style of movies are like that for it to not be done on purpose. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it has to be done on purpose to get you into it, to get you really kind of thinking, thinking about, about it. And, yeah, to get you off the Who do I trust? Who to do I trust? Out, yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't know. Our lead you know, Robert Mitchum doesn't really know sometimes in this movie. But he just kind of has to play it as smart as he can. In, in, and I, I like, like I said, that we see him kind of get there by the end. Um, so this movie kind of starts off with him. Um, we don't even see him, like when the movie opens. Um, this no. this uh, man comes to town uh, looking for him. And he runs into this deaf kid uh, who's uh, like running this uh, gas station. And he's asking for Robert Mitchum's character. Yes, Robert Mitchum Jeff, owns a gas station. Yes, Jeff Bailey, I believe is his name in this yeah. town. Um, and so he asks the deaf kid, oh, hey, you know, where is he? And he kind of tells him he's out, um, but he'll be back later. He goes to the diner across the way and... This is where we kind of get our exposition through uh, a, a very kind of nosy, busybody diner uh, worker lady who's you know, I like, very I much like that kind of <laughs> exposition through gossip. Yes, who's very much a staple of movies of this era. You're kind of gossipy, busybody lady. Um, oh, you're looking for somebody. <laughs> I can tell you exactly where they are because Mrs you know, Robertson from, from number 23 said he was over there that this time and oh he might be with little Janie McGee from wherever and it's all yes, very like who's that. always just very much talking I think we kind of had had a lady like this in brief encounter we had a yes, lady like this in ransom exclamation point <laughs> um uh you know just somebody who won't shut up and who wants to just be all up in the business and um, well we did have a lady like this yeah. in ransom <laughs> yeah, I was trying to remember yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, definitely a staple. And I think a fun way to get your exposition as opposed to, you know, somebody kind of lazily telling you a story. Yes, of course or, it is. You know, or just explaining something. So the way that sh they're kind of doing it in this vein of uh, a busybody, of course, just wanting to share all the gossip, I think, is a, is a very much a staple of the time. And I think uh, just a fun way to to get you where okay this is what's going on with these characters um so yeah uh the the dark man who is looking for robert mitchum goes into the diner and he's just kind of listening to this lady kind of go off about him and talking about how oh he's off with um you know this girl that kind of everyone is after in the town including this yeah. other patron who's at the diner who's obviously been in love with this woman for you know since childhood and yeah. he's very irritated that she's taken a liking to robert mitchum because he's just this man who's kind of swept into town and nobody really knows a lot about him and he kind of is very suspicious of him so he's kind of frustrated that his longtime crush girl that he's known since childhood has kind of gone off with this newbie in town um who nobody really knows a lot about. So she's kind of just kind of, you know, rubbing it in that, oh, they're probably off on a little date at the lake. They came and got some sandwiches earlier. And like, you know. That's, and, that's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> yes. And so he obviously doesn't like to hear this. So he just like takes off. She's like, oh, I must have said something to upset him. Like, <laughs> okay, lady. <laughs> obviously you did. So then, of course, then the, the dark man is asking all these questions. Uh, oh, you know 
what do you know about this man? What yeah. do you know about this Jeff Bailey? Oh, he's an old friend. And um, so then the, the deaf kid goes to the lake and warns him, hey, somebody's looking for you. Um, so he's with his lady and they're having a very nice conversation. And obviously they're very much in love. He's talking about wanting to marry her and have a simple life with her. And she's, she's very much, um, happy about that prospect. And, um, he's made promises to her as well. So he, you know, there is an awareness. I appreciate that there's an awareness, at least an honesty to a degree that he's told her he does kind of have a weird mixed up past and he'll tell her when the time is right. So he's promised to at some point tell her the truth about his past so that you know when these things do come to light i like that it's not a complete deception and oh so god no I so mean, she has time to kind of she has time to know that there's something coming so when it does come and he does end up being able to tell her it's not a shock to her yeah she has time to kind of brace herself for that so i i wouldn't have i don't think i would have liked it if it was another because we're already dealing with so much kind of twists and turns and characters and conflicts that i'm glad like his relationship with this woman is like the simplest kind of relationship and symbolist kind of piece of this story that it is and 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 look it doesn't it doesn't take him long to to tell her the story yes. of his past really does it because of you know what happens in the movie this dude who's come into town ends up finding him and kind of says his old boss wants to see him in lake tahoe yeah and clearly something's gone on we don't know but you know within the movie the characters kind of they know the the seriousness of this situation they know basically what robert mitchell knows he can't say no he yeah. can't say no. So he goes and on this drive there, you know, his, his Anne, I think her name is, his kind of girlfriend is, is with him or she goes so with she, him. So he picks her up and he says, hey, you want to drive? Now is the, I promised you I would tell you one day about my yes. past. Well, now is the time. Do you want to take a drive with me to, to Lake Tahoe? So as they're driving up to Lake Tahoe, we get a flashback as he's telling her the story of his we past. Do. Why? man was looking for him and the things with his old boss so basically we're doing it it's, it's, a, it's a it's a rather long flashback as well <laughs> yes i we remember must, you telling me about this flashback and like that you almost forget it's a flashback because it just you do. keeps going <laughs> because the movie is because the movie's structured in 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 such a way i mean i think it's it's brilliantly visual as a movie it is it doesn't over explain things. It doesn't kind of over vocalize things. No, because it's that flash very, very visual as a movie. Yes, because you're in this flashback, and the only reason you remember that you're still in the flashback is because every very few and far between throughout this flashback, we hear narration of his inner monologue. Yeah. Me, or or not his inner monologue, but his his narration of telling the story to Anne. So like I forget that we're in this flashback, and then I hear him say, "So yeah, her and me, we were together. We would find places to meet." And then like you hear him talking, at, like doing this voiceover, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, we're still in this flashback." Well, that's you know that's a that's a really good thing to do. Yeah. You'd rather it be like that, yeah, because it's it's interesting like that. It's clever. It's clever like that. And look, and the fact that he's not narrating the whole story, like we're seeing a big chunk of like what has happened and then he'll pop in and, and, and explain yeah. what he was feeling on his end of whatever the situation was. I just feel like we need to give credit here. I mean, this is, this. let's not forget this is an RKO radio picture, yes. which we always <laughs> like. Yes. We don't actually get the little boo doo boo 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 at the beginning. Unfortunately. Yeah. I always I always I never like it when we don't get the I feel like that's an older one. That's like a thirties thirties, Yeah. Once you get to the forties, it's that kind of triangle just, yeah. logo. That's um, still an RKO radio picture. What's a radio picture? You can't have pictures on the radio, Janine. <laughs> yeah. Oxymoron. <laughs> you can't have pictures on the radio. But it's using a lot of RKO staple people. I mean, this is directed by Jacques Tourneau, who, and actually shot by the same guy uh, who made Cat People, because Jacques oh, Tourneau made Cat People okay. as well. Which is why this movie is incredibly shadowy and incredibly 
Um, like I said, just visually brilliant. And it is yeah. full of just smooth visual storytelling yeah. rather than just there's a difference between smooth visual storytelling and having a story that is on screen. You yeah. know, there's a difference there. Oh, and definitely. this is very much the former. Yeah. Because, like I said, it doesn't over-explain things. You will not know what is going on in this movie if you are not watching this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you are on your phone, if you are pottering around with it on in the back, it's not a You're going to probably movie. miss... Yeah, you're going to probably miss something. Um, but so it's yes, brilliant I, for yes, that. Because yes. it's, so, it's so subtle in its... When things, yes, it's very subtle. Yes, when these reveals happen and the tone shifts and and a betrayal kind of shifts the whole kind of trajectory of of where you think it's going. It's it's very sudden. So um, it's brilliant in that way. Yeah, you do kind of have to keep on your toes and pay attention. So um, one example of the fact that you know we're we're in this kind of almost twenty minute long flashback that you kind of forget. <laughs> yeah, that you forget as a flashback. Um so yeah, we do set him up as kind of this sweet sensitive sensitive romantic guy. So I like that, you know, we see him kind of be very sweet and romantic and loving. Um, you found him attractive, Janine. I mean in this movie I kinda did. Like, you know, when he's waxing poetic to Anne by the lake about how he just wants to like build a little house by the lake and and marry her and, and do nothing else and um, and then they shared this kiss and all of that. So definitely very, but like just even his his build and his stature is very opposing. So um, it is. He is it's, massive. It's, yeah. So it's the very interesting juxtaposition to see him play kind of sweet and sensitive when we first meet him, which I think is important to see him like that first. And then we yeah. see him stand and walk and put that cigarette in his mouth. And then we're starting to get a sense of this other side of him. So I like that we got the sweet, kind, romantic setup first. So that, you know, then when we kind of go into this flashback and, you know, even just subtle hints of him meeting up with this old friend, um, we're starting to see that other side of him. But we're still kind of already endeared to him and like you know because we see him as this kind of kind-hearted person when we first meet him in this Um, flashback yes it is you know told that he's sent on a on a job yes so he he's working he's in new york and he's working for this kind of big boss of town um, like a gambling by, boss. Yes, played by a young, a very young Kirk Douglas. Some would say uh, painfully young Kirk yes. Douglas. Kirk Douglas before <laughs> he was a big star. Yes. Now, people people will look at this movie and go, oh, Robert Mitchum and Kirk Douglas. But it wasn't like that when it came out. This was very much. They're kind of Mitchum. earlier. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kirk Douglas. Well, Robert Mitchum was, was already kind well of known. known. Kirk Douglas was not at all. Kirk Douglas was was very, very early in his career at this point. And this is where I said before that it's such a great clash of acting styles. You have the seemingly, we use the word stoic to describe people an awful lot, but I don't even think that's accurate when it comes to Mitchum. That's accurate when it comes to Gregory Peck. Yeah. When he's kind of reserved. Robert Mitchum's not reserved. He is just... It's lazy, positive, but positive. I don't, <laughs> I don't mean to say lazy in a negative way, but his acting style is this just is very easy. It's and, easy. You know, yeah. It's incredibly naturalistic. Relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> relaxed. I should say relaxed, not lazy. I think that's derogatory yeah. <laughs> to, to Robert. Yeah. I love Robert. <laughs> but it's not the same you know, stoicness of, of of Gregory Peck. It's certainly far from kind of um, almost wisecracking of Bogart or something like that. It's not that style of noir. No. You know, it's very plodding. It's very kind of, oh, let's just do this. I know I can do this. I'm better than everybody else. And if you watch interviews with Robert Mitchum, he's like that in real life. This is him in real life. He is kind of like half, as, looks half asleep all the time. And just like, well, you know, 
I yeah. just did this because I can do that and it's fine. And I never really liked doing that, but you know, I did it. Yeah, but it works. And it like does I said, work he can, so he well. Can, he you can are. take that same tone, but somehow shift it to this romantic charmer or shift it to this kind of dominating force. Um, I feel like that's why some people don't like Robert Mitchum, though. Like, Robert Mitchum has a minor reputation as someone who can put people to sleep. Ooh. And I understand that. I understand that. Because he he comes across as very sleepy. Yeah. But I I really like that. Yeah, I mean, it was working. Def- it was definitely working in this film. Um, and like I said, I've seen with him. Yes. Um, so we kind of hear from this gambling boss. He, well, Robert Mitchum kind of describes his job and his role with the, with uh, Kirk Douglas as like an enforcer. Yeah. Or, or like a detective. A detective. Yeah. And uh, Kirk Douglas, he, he his name is Wit. <clears throat> So Wit, he has been shot by his girl, his girlfriend has shot him and, and seemingly stole $40,000 from him. So he sends Robert Mitchum, he says, you're, you know, you're kind and you're smart. And that's why I'm sending you. I need you to go. I'll give you $5,000, you know, for, and, you know, uh, when you go, I'll give you $5,000 when you come back and I'll pay all your expenses. If you go find Kathy who, you know, and he even, he even has this moment where he is concerned about, okay, well, if I find this girl, what are you going to do to her? Cause yeah. he's like, you know, because he has this sensitive side, like he doesn't want to see a woman get hurt no matter what she did. So he's like, Oh no, I won't hurt her. I just want, you know, I just want to get my money back from her. Like I won't touch a hair on her head. So he's like, okay, so I'll do it. So he sent off to go find this Kathy who has wronged his boss and seemingly stole from him. And this is Jane Greer. Yes. So he goes off and he's asking questions, meeting people, trying to figure out. He he ultimately surmises that she's somewhere in Mexico. So he goes to Mexico and then she kind of has this very grand character entrance looking completely gorgeous and in a gorgeous outfit with a hat and, you know, very much. Okay. Obviously this is our girl right here. Yeah. Um, Let, let's be have, a bit show offy. Yes. Uh, so then they have this little meet cute where this, you know, you're in Mexico. So there are people are always trying to sell you things so here comes this man who says he's a tour he's a tour guide and he'll give you the best tours you know in the city and you know trying to sell you something and he has robert mitchum sit down at her table and he's trying to sell them and goes through his whole kind of pitch and they're both like no we're good Um, outstanding stereotypes yes yes outstanding (laughs) um and uh then they kind of get to chatting and she kind of talks to him about oh you know sometimes i go to this bar you can ask them to play american music and get a good bourbon and so then you know he kind of is like okay well i'm just gonna kind of scout a few days out and see if she shows up but he's really smart about it like you hear him kind of doing this narration he's like i knew she wouldn't show up that first night but i waited you know and it was two days until she came and so like he he's kind of aware he we see him being very kind of competent in this moment he's very aware of how to kind of look for her and maneuver for her and he and he he's fully aware she's probably not going to show up right away but he's still very kind of doing his due diligence but he's also seemingly kind of attracted as well yes i think yes. i think this is <laughs> this is where the mix of it comes because you say yes. he's very competent in this point and i think he is incredibly competent he's still holding a, it together you know. he's incredibly competent from a work point of view yeah and i think that that stays throughout the entire movie he's not very competent at all when it comes to his his no. romantic endeavors no. no so once he kind of sees her and he has this encounter with her you know after two days of going to this bar that she mentioned um she finally shows up and then they kind of he kind of gets very smitten with her and that's where he kind of throws everything out the window he sends his boss a telegram saying oh he he's 
he's tra- tracked her into this area, but he hasn't found her, even though he really has found her. Yeah. So he, he says he's in Mexico City, that he's he's looking for her, but he has not found her, even though he is with her. So the then, beginning of the movie's double crosses. Yes. Yeah, so already. Um, so now he finds himself smitten with her. She seems smitten with him as well. They meet at the beach. They share a kiss. And now they're kind of secretly meeting um, all the time. And they've kind of struck up this relationship. And he still has said he hasn't found her to Kirk Douglas, to wit. Um, to now to the point where now they are like a full-fledged couple. And wit is getting very suspicious and um this is reasonably kind of... understandably from Kurt yes i must say yeah i realized i didn't finish my point either about the the <clears throat> the um clash of acting styles oh okay because i just got taken up in in, in <laughs> me talking about the story yes mm-hmm. um but kirk douglas obviously is, is is an incredibly explosive performer he is the total opposite of Mitchum. Kirk Douglas is fiery. Kirk Douglas is loud. He's brash. He's theatrical. He's swing his arms around. He's shout, grandstand. That's Kirk Douglas. And I'm led to believe that, that there was a clash of personality as well as a clash of acting style Ooh. between these On two. Set between these two? Okay. Um, just for the fact that Mitchum would kind of show up seemingly not knowing anything of what to do, not knowing lines or whatever. Yes. And he'd just be able to kind of do them. And I think Kirk Douglas is probably, or was probably more diligent than Mitchum was. And yeah, but certainly I mean, I think into... Kirk Douglas is pretty seemingly reserved here. I mean, he's he playing is, that but, kind but of... You still, get, you still get the kind of teeth grit um head shaking around kind of situation he is playing a character type that admittedly he wouldn't you wouldn't usually think he would play yeah but he is still doing the like i said the the teeth gritting head shaking a little bit shouty, a little bit wide-eyed. Well, Wit is definitely he would come known. He would become known to do. Well, the Wit character is definitely playing up the, you know, I'm your friend, and everything's cool, and everything's great, and he's he's trying to make you feel comfortable, but also making you aware that like he's on to you, and there's this underlying kind of menace and uh, kind of trying to instill fear in you with every kind of kind slick oh there is oh there really is so he's definitely saying everything with a smile and with some charm but he's obviously kind of on to you know he he knows he he makes you aware that he's on to you he makes you kind of remember what he's capable of without saying it and with, with just a big smile on his face so that's kind of how i kirk douglas is playing this wit character it's also battle um, of the chin dimples i know <laughs> they've both got that's such probably, significant I mean, chin dimples that's probably what caused the biggest fights on set like whose dimple was deeper i don't know <laughs> if i could do good impressions of both of them i'd have a little argument to myself right yes now, but I, i'm not gonna do that. <laughs> um so yes now um jeff and kathy are deep in this relationship and who shows up but Wit and his kind of yeah. right hand guys, and just to check up on, oh, so you've been here a while and you haven't found her. He's like, oh yeah, but she's taking a boat. She t- she took a boat this direction. Um, and all the while you were you're like they're in the middle of this relationship. She doesn't know, you know, he had no idea that Wit was coming. She could just show up at his place at any time. So there's just kind of this very tense feeling that you get as a viewer like oh my gosh is she going to show up while while uh when is there and he's going to know and it's all going to be exposed that he didn't do with the job he was supposed to do oh my gosh yeah and to the point where we do get it and he's like trying to get them out oh let's just go talk at this bar you know 
but you get a knock at the door and you're like, oh my gosh, it's her. Oh my gosh, their, their cover's blown. Oh my gosh, uh, what's going to happen? And then it's somebody just bringing him some shoes. But even Wit kind of sees that as something like, oh, there's just some pretty fancy shoes, not really your style. Like kind of hinting that, oh, like who are you getting those fancy shoes for? So it's all just very tense and you can tell Wit knows some things up. Him even just being there makes you know that he knows some things up. So you're yeah, just very, cold. as you're watching it, you're just getting very tense and nervous. If she's going to show up, he's going to see her. So then she doesn't show up, but so he gets them to go to this bar to talk it through. And he sees a woman standing there with a hat and he's like, Oh my gosh, is that her? We're thinking, Oh my gosh, is that her? Turns around. It's not her. So now that there's this tension of, is she going to walk in or are they going to see her to where she actually does walk in and Jeff spills his water and you know, their cover's almost blown again. So this whole kind of sequence of, of witch showing up, uh, very tense, very, very yes, the, 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 the <laughs> which I loved. Yes. The discovery of their romance almost. Yes, isn't and it? him not completing is eventually, his job. Yes. Yeah. Which is eventually discovered when, you know, they are tracked back to her place, I think it is. Um and almost almost an inciting incident or or, or a, a, an inciting incident for the characters to go about the story that they go about in this movie happens. When yes. they are tracked back, um, this is the whole shooting and well, forty thousand dollars situation. Yes, well, they all they're they're able to kind of carry on and leave Mexico and come back to the states. Um, so obviously nothing has I'm been caught, sure. nothing has happened, no, nothing has been revealed. So Wit goes back, but he's all you know, and even uh, Jeff is kind of like, well, I didn't find her, so I'll give you your money back, and I- I'm out. You can fi- have somebody else find her. And he's like, no, I want you to do it. I want you to finish. Yeah. You're the one I picked and I want you to finish this job, which just has you like, he knows something's up. Like he has to know. That's why he's keeping Jeff on this job. Um, He's going to lead me to her because I know something's up. So Wit kind of being the one now with the competency porn <laughs> happening um, because he seemingly is kind of like putting this, this pressure without, you know, with a smile, you know. Yeah. Jeff. So, so now... Jeff is like, you know, in his kind of voiceover narration to Anne in the car, he's saying, well, you know, I did tell him she was on a boat, but she's in a, on a boat in the opposite direction and I'm on the boat with her. So he talks about how they sail back to the States and they kind of keep a low profile. But he's like, you know, we're in California, we're in San Francisco, no one's going to find us. So, you know, we started doing small things like going to this small movie house to see movies and then we started going to the track. And then he sees, you know, like in his former detective partner, somebody else yes, who works that's for right. Wit, spots spots him at the race at the races, and he's like, okay, well, you know, I know him well enough to know how he's gonna track me. So then you think, okay, he's back on it, even though he's kind of fallen into this relationship, hasn't done the first job, he's gonna be able to handle how to kind of keep this relationship secret and not get caught. So we hear him kind of describing everything he knows about his ex kind of detective partner. He knows how he operates. He's done all of these things, taken all the precautions to trick him into finding, to not finding them. He's, he knows that he's tailing him. He loses him and he has plans to meet Kathy at this cabin. So he goes to the, he, he thinks he's lost the other guy. He goes to the cabin he meets up with Kathy. They're seemingly having a good time as they walk through the door. He's like, we, I accounted for everything except one thing that he maybe wasn't tailing me. He was tailing Kathy. So yes. the guy ended up following Kathy to the cabin, finds them, you know, talks about how he, you know, it's going to pay me off or I'm going to reveal to wit what you've yeah. done that I found her and that you kind of ran off with her and it turns into this big kind of fight. They're boxing, fighting each other. And then here comes Kathy again, who we already know shot up Kirk Douglas. I'm like, and I knew, I, I knew, I'm like, this, this bitch, this is all she knows is just going to shooting people. <laughs> she already shot Kirk Douglas. I'm pretty sure she's probably going to shoot this guy. And sure enough, you know, the fight is kind of tussling, going back and forth, both of them taking hits. And then the guy goes down I think it's, it's, yeah. uh, and, and she shoots him. 
and he kills she kills him and jeff is like you didn't have to kill him just like yes i did he would have gone to wit and told him everything and you know i like robert mitchum again being this very kind of sensitive person like you didn't have to kill him like that wasn't necessary you didn't have like feeling bad that this man had to die even though she's kind of right like he would have revealed everything but he still he he still doesn't care if that was at the cost of like somebody dying you know she's like you would have just fought him and and threw him out and that's not good enough he would have you know told everything and um he is quite surprisingly pure of heart yes yes so i like that he does have this sense of morality in, in in several aspects of his character um well so then at, i mean at this point at the end of our flashback i suppose it almost is yes. now isn't it yes we discover that kathy has has killed yes this, this part they're kind of having yeah they're having this debate about you know you didn't have to kill him yes i did and he's kind of looking at the body and when he turns around kathy has gone and driven off yeah and then he sees her little pocketbook and it shows she did in fact cash that that forty dollars forty thousand dollars so she lied to him because he had asked her she swore to him yes i shot kirk when he first met her and they started falling in love she swore to him that yes i i shot kirk douglas because he was terrible to me but i never stole anything from him and he took her on her word only to have her shoot this man dead leave him abandon him drive off and then he sees a little booklet that shows she did, in fact, steal the $40,000. So she lied to him. This is called focus on yourself. That's yes. what this is. <laughs> this is called I don't care about anybody but myself. And some would say more power to you, Kathy. Yes. You know, so then you, this is. <laughs> you do you, Kathy. But this is always the way with in these them fatal characters so, yes, janine this is where she outs herself. yes this is where she kind of reveals herself to be this femme fatale and not this sweet you know because i thought okay what happened to end this romance i thought maybe something was going to happen where she died somehow or they got caught and then yeah. you know he went on some vengeful rampage and then he had to go go into hiding and you know i don't like i was conjuring all these things to you know absolve kathy because their romance seemed so pure right only to have her reveal herself to be this femme fatale in this moment. Yes. That she had lied to him, you know, on top of killing this man and now leaving him to clean up this mess. And like I said, this is where the, our flashback ends. We are transported back to the car as Mitchum and, uh, and Anne are driving to, to Lake Tahoe and they, they arrive at this mm-hmm. house and, and, you know, wits there. We are in back in present day. Now, who else is there? Oh no! Oh well, just to, just to, before we get there, Anne says, you know, she she was kind of fully prepared for this moment. She says, you know, oh, I don't care what you did. You know, I still want to be with you. If you come back, I will t- happily take you back. And she's perfectly fine with you know understanding what he did and and still wanting to be with him. So they say their goodbyes. She drives off and leaves him there. He goes in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, Kathy's there. Yes. Kathy's so there. he has this whole conversation not, with Wit. He's yes. not expecting this. He doesn't no. like this. He's terrified of this Wit. idea. Wit. This so and the... and we don't even know what Wit knows at this point. No, before, as soon as he gets there, we don't know how much Wit knows because the one witness who could say that he saw he betrayed him and got with Kathy when he was supposed to was bring her shot. back was shot and killed and Robert Mitchum buried the body there. And so then Witt is just kind of asking him to do this other job to, he's, he's going to get caught some kind of tax thing and he could do jail time. So he wants, he wants him to get this, this paperwork that will, you know, save him from going to prison or whatever. Yeah. So, and Robert Mitchum's like, no, I don't want to do any jobs for you. He's like, okay, well that that's fine, but let's sit down and have breakfast. It's a nice day. They go this to sit down for the breakfast, job. and that's when Kathy comes yes. out. <laughs> this other job that Kirk Douglas sends sends him on is not important no. to, to the movie. This is literally there to 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 for, for Kirk Douglas to play with Robert Mitchum. 
This and is to the, have this, who, this back and forth with Kathy and, and really see yeah. how duplicitous she is in, in all of this. This is there as the background to his real goal, Kirk Douglas's real goal, which, yes, like you say, is is to see the real quote-unquote relationship that may be between Mitchum and, and, and Jane Greer and Kathy. Yeah. Um. That's why he refu- he kind of refuses to do this job, but he can't say no. Too yes. powerful. Kirk Douglas is way too powerful. This is the out of the past of the title. This is the past coming back to, to haunt, him. haunt yeah. you. To exact this is you cannot. His choices. Yeah. You may have just wanted to be a you know run a, a nice gas station in nowhere california yes and marry your lady and all of that well that's not going to happen today so then he even asked me this is like a gunfighter all over again you can't run away from your yes it'll follow you and so even after the breakfast so then he has like this moment with kathy like oh my gosh you told him everything she reveals that oh yeah he pressured me i had to tell him so then she admits that she told him everything about their relationship um, but didn't say anything about him killing or her killing the guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he she swears she didn't say anything. But at this point now, you really aren't believing this woman on anything, she says. Um, no, especially <laughs> when he kind of spies her sorting something out on the phone, doesn't he? That he's like, you're, you're lying again. Yes, so he ca- catches her in several lies up to this point. So now it's this whole kind of uh, situation where they have to kind of get this paperwork back and all of this kind of uh, whole kind of uh, heist operation that has to happen. Um, I do quite like that though. It's that it's when we see that happen, it's the, like the simplest theft of anything ever that Mitchum goes yeah. into that <laughs> club and through the back door that's unmanned <laughs> yeah right he just <laughs> so walks easy. up the manager's stairs that are unmanned he goes into the room the guy there says what are you doing here and then he just punches him out yeah it seems very easy um so and then kind of in the middle of him all trying to figure this out kathy's been lying to him and and she's like playing both sides so she's acting like she's you know she never fell out of love with robert mitchum she wants to be with him uh let's run away together all you have to do is steal this thing back and we can be together and you know but then as soon as robert mitchum's out of the room she's calling kirk douglas and telling yeah, him oh yeah. this is where roger robert mitchum's gonna be he's yeah. gonna try to steal this he's gonna do this and that these are all his moves he's making um but this here is kind of like him he's learned from you know the, these mistakes as soon as he sees kathy again he's kind of like fully aware of how deceptive she is. So I think, you know, there are a lot of moments where she's kind of trying to get ahead on him, but he's really keeping up with her, if not one-upping her a little bit each each step that this kind of descent into this twist goes on. So he's fully aware of how she's going to betray him. And so he kind of covers his bases, you know, um, he kind of gets trapped there with all of, uh, wits men because obviously uh kathy has kind of you know played both sides of it and instead of having the the important papers with him he's like sets it up so that like no i don't have it on me and if you do anything to me like you're never gonna get what you need type situation and he kind of calls out kathy on kind of the lies that she's told in front of wits men and so those are all kind of great moments of him just like revealing the kind of the yeah. deception of this woman so most so, so it's it's mitchum's version of grandstanding which is just yes. kind of standing there taller than everybody else and going i know more than you yes so yes. shut up i did want to ask you about the idea of femme fatales at some point in, uh, the, in this episode mm-hmm. um just because do you think they uh, I mean, I admittedly think they're a little bit of both, so I, I will I will give that context. <laughs> okay. Do you think they are created by terribly fragile men who are terrified of women and just put like the most deceptive 
woman they can possibly think of on screen or, or in stories to just be kind of be afraid of women. That's it. That, like you that can't situation. trust them. Yes. Exactly. Or do you view them as incredibly, you know, kind of selfly independent, kind of powerful characters who just by all means take and do whatever they want to do and are absolutely never pushed around and in that way quite empowering um i i (laughs) i think they are originally created for the first purpose by by the the fragile male egos i think that's kind of how they're originally written but i think it's up to whoever's playing that role to then bring the the latter idea to it of the empowerment of of women kind of having those choices and being in control and looking out for themselves and you know manipulating men because men can be trash and you need to be your own hero and you need to take care of what's yours and yourself first um especially kind of coming out of seeing her already be scorned by a man shooting this man because he mistreated her um and so now it's put her in this mindset to kind of take care of herself because she's been, you know, she might not have been this person before meeting Kirk Douglas and whatever he did to her. Because when yeah, when, when Robert point. Mitchum is first looking for her, he talks to one of her friends and she said, or somebody who worked for her and says, you know, yeah, he mistreated her. I wouldn't have put up with that, you know, kind of agreeing that. Yeah. You know, she has a supportive female person kind of supporting her actions because of whatever Kirk Douglas did to her. So I think it's yes, I think definitely they're probably originally written to kind of make men look better, make women look deceptive and 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 villainous and untrustworthy. But when the actress, whoever steps into that role, however they portray it if they can bring some kind of empowerment to it, I think it's on the actress to, to then kind of turn, turn that around. And I think she was able to do that with this role because I do see her being very kind of manipulative, but I think in that added moment of kind of him talking to that friend who kind of backs up her decision in shooting him, you can kind of get a little bit of insight as to why she is the way she is, why she feels the need to kind of look out for herself. So you get a little bit of kind of understanding. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of on the actress to to turn that role around and give it kind of an empowerment energy. Yeah, um, and I, I look, I like looking at it from that point. Yeah, I I, I prefer to no, look at that's it. A, that's a really I prefer good, to look at really it from good that question. Point. Yeah, and I prefer to look at it from that point because I think it comes across, like you said, even in these movies at the time these movies were coming out femme fatale characters were revered characters you know they they were like oh yes i want to play a femme fatale character this is a great type of you know character to play and i think they are very celebrated characters they are unlikable but they have they are really lovable in their unlikability as characters they are so far away from pure characters, yeah. but they are incredibly captivating characters. They are, like I said, very, very celebrated characters. And I think they have just become more and more celebrated as characters as the years have gone on. Yeah. Um, but even back, you know, when a, an incredible amount of noir movies were being made, you know, in the 40s and the 50s, they were still, you know, the type of character that that your biggest name actresses of the time would 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 want to play as a power move. Yeah, but then of Which... course you have Hayes Code in there, so that you know they were ultimately always getting punished. You do, sure. Kind of then, you, you, you do. Would, would would then kind of put this morality on this type of character, and then kind of maybe play into your kind of original first thought of the femme fatale being this kind of fragile male eagle ego trying to just portray women as lesser as untrustworthy as the villain um 
because you, interesting you had to, you had to punish a, you had to punish a character like this by the end of the film every yeah. time so that kind of steals a little bit of the empowerment away but ultimately whoever is portraying a character like this if they're kind of really conveying this you know i'm not going to let a man tell me what to do i'm not going to put my faith and trust in a man i'm going to take care of myself if they can get that point across then i definitely feel like those types of characters femme fatale characters are playing to a female strength and, and feminist kind of ideals and empowerment for sure and look it, it doesn't end up particularly well for kathy does it we'll no have, we'll have to say in this movie by the by the end point and we, we've got kind of more searching and more killings the 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 deaf kid from the beginning of the movie comes back <laughs> and fishes fishing rod rods a That's guy a man off, off yes so kathy you know he makes this deal with with wit that like you know i'll send you your papers if you just like leave me alone and let me be and da, 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 whatever and so he thinks he's kind of worked it out to where okay um you know i'll send you your stuff if you just kind of get me off the hook on this whole situation you know you can blame these killings that have happened on the guy that my man fisher fisher yeah. lined off the thing which because he lies we, and we said oh no he fell yeah, yeah, we can just pass it off as, oh, he couldn't live with the guilt and jump off Of what a he cliff. did. Yes. Um, and so he kind of leaves Kathy at the hands of uh, Wit, and kind of he's seen kind of her back and forth betrayals. So then he puts this big threat on her, like, you know, listen to me, or I'm going to, like, you know, break you into so many pieces, you're not even going to be able to move, whatever kind of threat he gives her. Um, so then he kind of goes off and, um, you know, he says, kind of says his goodbyes to his, to Anne, but he kind of promises that. And she is very even encouraging. Like, you know, when, if you're going to see her again, just make sure, like really pay attention. If you understand that, then that's what you need to do. But if you feel like you're done with her, you can come back to me. And he says, I don't need to think about it. I know I want to be with you. I'll come back to you, whatever. So he makes this kind of promise to her and he goes um only to kind of return back to the situation and find that kathy has killed kirk douglas now yes. and she's yes, she holding has. all the cards she's in control he seemingly acts like he's gonna go with her but he's kind of made a play to like get authorities to like okay she's gonna be here then she's gonna be on the road get her while we're on the road yeah. um so then she kind of looks up and she sees there's cops and stuff in the tree line and like waiting for them. And so then there's kind of a tussle with the gun in the car. She ends up shooting Robert Mitchum and then the cops end up shooting her and she, they crash into the police car. And that's kind of the end of, of that situation. Um, the, but it's, it's just panic from Kathy at the end of the movie. Yeah. It's absolute panic. She, even like the act of killing Kurt Douglas is just it wasn't this I, I need to do it I need to do it I need thing. to do yeah. it otherwise yeah. I'm not going to be able to get away with this exactly without yes. without without doing that and yeah to kill Mitchum as well who you know she would have wanted to go with her that was the whole point you know yeah. they they were going to do it or they were going to end up together living somewhere together she wanted that as well but yeah. then she just goes oh oh no, no oh no, no he set this up bang yeah shoot because i mean i'd like to think that he was kind of setting her up and he was hoping to maybe get out of this alive and then he could go back to Anne because oh of course um, that's exactly just, what he wants he, yeah and he's just playing it to this point to to just to get her you know get her back and get her get to get her due yeah um but you know just doesn't work out for him um and so that's how it ends for the two of them and then so we kind of see um, a I mean, she does and... get killed like Bonnie and Clyde as well. I mean, it's a ridiculous yes, amount like of machine guns. shots. Yes, and somebody does come up with a big old machine gun. Um, so then we see Anne, and they're back in the little town, and um, she goes and she asks the deaf kid, "Hey, so did he? Did he run off with her?" And like, obviously, I think the kid knows that like he didn't really run off with her. It was just kind of part of his bigger plan. Yeah. But he tells her, yeah, he did run off with her. He just nods yes. So I'm just like, 
I don't, I don't like that. But, but it's kind of it's softening it up for Atten, isn't it? Really, that like do, does he tell her he ran off with Kathy, or does he tell her that Kathy ended up killing him? <laughs> That's true. You know, what does it like that's gonna hurt is that gonna hurt Anne more or is is the running off gonna hurt Anne more? Either way, unfortunately, Anne gets the short end of the stick in this movie completely. Feel sorry for Anne. Yeah, she was she so doesn't get anything of what she, she wants. She was so understanding. So yeah, the the kid lies and says that no, he did run off with her. And then he kind of looks up at the sign, the Jeff Bailey sign, and does like this deuces, like pour one out for the fallen homies. Like, look at the sign. He does. He does. <laughs> and then walks off with like holding a stick, like. He literally the movie does end like with, chest pound peace sign like his brother and, like, walks away. It's kind of it's it's kind of weird, but it does end. It does end like yeah. that. I'm glad you really enjoyed this I movie. Did. You seem to I have really gotten very did. into it. Well, because yeah, like my whole thing is like, oh, what can we do for the main show? I definitely want to watch, you know, maybe not things that are super popular but look interesting have interesting plots so i'm looking at you know the turner classic movie section in, on hbo max and i'm seeing robert mitchum and i'm seeing him like grabbing this woman and they're like in this romantic torturous kind of embrace and black and white and so i read the synopsis and i'm seeing it's kind of noir and this man he's trying to live a simple life and then his past comes back to haunt him and i'm like ooh, this sounds interesting and it's robert mitchum and you know so i'm really kind of curious to see where this goes and that's kind of you know how i picked this movie and then you told me oh i have it i've seen it it's great so yeah um yeah so i was really excited to get into it and a new another new movie and it's a movie like i had never heard of because you know we do so a lot of kind of the popular classics as well that everybody knows but i love when we can find something that like is not super popular but has like well-known actors in it so that's always kind of a drawing point to see kind of early actor like early you know performances from actors that are really well known in the in the in the sphere of classics and oh yeah it's so great. yeah this one's great for for that in terms of kirk douglas yes i do think it's a very it is a well-respected noir movie though it's a very well-revered noir yeah. movie um if you're into noir you 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 will have come across this movie you will have heard of this movie but no you're right it's 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 not the biggest name movie ever it's it's not the biggest name noir movie but it's certainly i think probably mitchum's most famous of its uh, famous noir okay. you know I, th I think it's it's definitely that um and it's a brilliant movie like yeah, i said before I really, it's really so it's it. visually beautiful it shot so well um and with such a subtle transitional structure to it um it's just it's it really rewards you for heavy focus and i think it should you know movies should do that movies should do that they should reward you for sitting there and really paying close attention to things yeah. that are going on um Wonderful performances, obviously. Yes, great. Such actors as this. A brilliant femme fatale. And yes, another wonderful movie on It's a Wonderful Podcast, Yay. Janine. Yes, really, really enjoyed this one. Well, there we go. Episode 229 of the main show. We've Ooh. been talking out of the past from 1947 with Robert Mitchum, Jane Greer, and Kirk Douglas. Janine. Who directed this movie? Um, I don't remember. It was Jack Frenchy. I'm like some French, Frenchy sounding name. Yes, a French <laughs> person. Yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but this show, the main show, is not the only show we have on this podcast feed, is it? It is not. We also have our Monday show, Monday Madness with Morgan and Machine which you can also find on our It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. And you can look at our lovely faces as we talk all kinds of fun movie topics, uh, play some games, very chill vibe, fun show. So you can check that out on the YouTube channel. Um, 
the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel or find it here on this very podcast feed every Monday. And of course, every Wednesday, we have Morgan Hasn't Seen, where I force Morgan to watch things he hasn't seen. We are talking horror comedies right now, dipping our toes into spooky season, uh, but still getting some laughs in there as well um, as we talk some fun horror comedies. No, certainly we are. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Amazon Music, all the other places as well. As Janine said, subscribe, ding your notification bells over on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel for all the fun stuff we have over there. If you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one. Find the tier that is right for you. There is also a donation link in the chat if you would like to support in the chat, not in the chat, in the description. If you would like to support us that way, uh, we cannot do what we do without people's generous donations from Patreon and from the donation. So, uh, yes, we are very, very thankful for those. Of course we are. Of course we are. Yes. You can find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at uh, the Purple Dom with a three instead of the E in there because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram at the Purple Dom. Janine, all your wonderful stuff is where. You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can find that at our Teespring shop. Just search It's a Wonderful Podcast on Teespring. All kinds of fun designs over there. And if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Well, should we do an overly stereotypical Foghorn Leghorn-esque Robert Mitchum impression? Oh my gosh, I can't. I can't make me do that again. <laughs> I can't do it. But, but it's what he sounds like in Night of the Hunter. You know? I know, very like Foghorn Leghorn. Leghorn. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> All right. Three. <laughs> Two. Bye. Bye.